Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Paul Frields. And I'm Dave Guzman. And this is Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player and musician, and we take it apart, dissect it, look at it from a few different angles, and hopefully spread some understanding and some knowledge and wisdom around that's going to help you elevate your gigs and gear to the next level. That is our entire mission. You'll see it printed on our website at practicalbase.com. If you'd like to reach us, you can do it through the contact form on that site, or you can email us directly at podcast at practicalbase.com. We would love to hear from you. We definitely love getting listener mail. We love hearing from uh, from folks out there in the base community. Please don't be shy. Reach out and say hello. Um, we also can be found on all the social networks, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, even Instagram. Feel free to send us photos of you, your dog, your <laughs> rehearsal studio, whatever the case may be, your gear, all of that stuff. We love it. And uh, we hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and share it around to your friends. We'll talk a little bit more about the subscribing later on down the line. But first, I think we're going to dive into our topic for today. What is it, Dave? Our topic today, actually, it's like a, um, it's, it's a kind of a piggyback on a couple of others that we've done recently around home studio, yeah, recording, demos. So we're going to, we're going to needle into this thing that we keep circling around, which is your uh, digital interface. Yeah. That's kind of like the centerpiece of a lot of this nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Most people are recording not onto, you know, beautiful vintage tape decks right. anymore, but you know, we're using digital and a lot of people are using, you know, plugins or whatever to, to emulate that stuff. And, yep. and, and that's great. Um, you know, but how do you, how do you pick the right one? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. coming from a very like in theme of practical base, like staying practical. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like beautiful ways to do all this, but kind of in that mode of how do we, how do we get there? Yeah, exactly. And you know, the first thing is really just picking yourself up the right yep. digital interface for what you want to do. Um, you know, a couple caveats up front, you know, this one, this is probably a little dry. We've got some, you know, we got some numbers, some numbers, mm-hmm. we got some, we got, got some, heg, we got some hezawerts. Some Wait, f- what are they? His, his, a heck of words. His, a word. I don't know what the words are. Paul does. <laughs> You're good with the words. You're good with the words, Dave. You're good with those words. You There's know. a lot of facts and figures coming. <laughs> That's all we're telling you. We're yeah. telling you up front. There's facts and figures coming your way. Yeah. Um, it is a pretty dense topic, but it's also, you know, it's also cool. And it's a good it thing to know cool. if you're a, if you're a traveling bass player, having a digital interface is really important. Yep. You know, you can, with the right interface, you can kind of tuck it in your bass bag, you know, tuck, mm-hmm. tuck it in your knapsack when you're on a trip, you could be recording tracks for other people and sending them on, you know, for, uh, you know, for any number of recording gigs that way too. So it is a really useful tool to have just like, extra set of strings or a yeah you know compressor pedal or whatever the case may be yeah so do you have a you have a digital interface at, at home yourself i do yeah 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 i um uh at, i i don't even know like where it stands and how cool it is or the proficiency of it but i have a a task cam us 1800 yeah well that's got a lot that's like a 8 it's got eight inputs on it, right? It has, um, I think it had uh, more. more than that. Yeah. Well, eight. Ooh. So it has like eight, um, 
eight mic inputs. Eight mic inputs, yeah. and then another eight. Oh, eight line inputs on, on top the back. of that. Holy moly. So it's 16. Wow. Four outs. And then controls. Like there nice. are some pros and cons. Yeah. You know, for yeah. it. It's like but a it's, rack mount, you know. Yeah. It is it's a rack mount. Yeah. Like it looks like it needs to be there. And I I just toss it on top of my desk. Well, we always like say, whatever. you know, that shows you're professional when you have something that goes in a rack. So I wanted to go pro. It means you're a pro. I wanted to go pro <laughs> for under two hundred dollars. <laughs> no, and actually the, the yeah, and it's like um this is whatever. It it's something that you can find. It's like at the bottom of the like the reverb list yeah. used yeah. from a price point, yeah. but they're workhorses. Yeah. And, and it's older. Yeah. I think the unit I have is probably 10 years old, eight yeah. years old, somewhere along those lines, but it's USB and it it works and yeah. it doesn't fail me. I know the guy before me used it for a while because when I pulled it out, it smelled like a cigarette ashtray. Nice. So it definitely got like a lot of, you know, cigarette time. Definitely. For whatever it's worth. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's the, that's what I was looking for when I got, I, I was yeah. looking for something budget and get, I was like, get in cheap, but you wanted something with lots of features. Yeah. With yeah. features yeah. and something that's like heavily built. Like it's yeah. all metal. There's yeah. no plastic on it. It's yep. a, it's a metal piece. Yes. And I swear and you, you can probably find it at the same price cause there's a bunch of them out there, but I was under 200, like yeah. 150, 175. For that kind of flexibility, I think you did pretty darn good. I felt, I felt good about it being yeah. the value guy, yeah. but yeah. What do you, what do you, uh, well, I, I know what you have, but we'll ask for the listeners. What do you have? Yeah. So, well, so my <laughs> first interface that I had, and it's actually like, you can still see it in my, in my uh -huh. studio. It's like leaned up against a bookcase cause right. I, it's not racked up anymore, but I had a, my first unit that I ever had was an echo Layla 24. Okay. And that was a 2496. It had eight inputs on it. And it also did, would do ADAT, which was like, Oh my God, right. it was a digital ADAT thing on it. It was amazing right. to me back then. And that, I, I can't tell you when I bought that, probably 20 years ago, yeah, 18 years ago. I mean, that's an, that's an old unit at this point. Like yeah. it was brand new at that point. I think it cost like a thousand dollars or something like that. It was right. like, Big I, money. I really, I saved up and splurged yeah. on that. But uh, yeah, now it's leaning up against a bookcase <laughs> in order to connect Wait, it. Wait, to had, hold the other books? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> like a bookend. <laughs> right. it's, Sorry. It's, yeah, it's there I to, didn't mean to disrespect. It's, to, it's there to keep the bookcase from tipping over now. <laughs> and it was only $1,000. <laughs> right, right. Now it's a piece of junk. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It does actually still work. I mean, yeah. there's a... But in order to make it work, you have a there's a, a card like you had to have a, an interface card that you plugged into your computer. Like mm -hmm. it only works with a, it worked with a desktop computer. Right, you plugged that in. Like you had to open up the computer, put the card inside, and then yep. had the special, you know, the special cable to plug in yeah. that you then hook up to the to the Layla, huh. so that it would work properly. I also got later. I got the um. You, do you remember how laptops used to have the PC cards or PCMCIA cards. Oh, yeah. And it was yep. about the size of a little, like a credit card or a little thicker. Yep. Totally. I, I had one of those too with a cable that you could like, so you could take this thing on the road supposedly, right? Like hook it to your laptop and record <laughs> that way. And I did Great. that a few times. It yeah. was, you know, it was what it was. It was, um, you know, it was a little hard. The computers weren't as good back then. And I think they, like it was more ready than they were. Right. <laughs> But the units that I have now, like that's ancient history. So the the units I have now, um, I've had a Focusrite Scarlet uh, mm -hmm. for a long time now. Well, yep. for some years now, an 18i8 that I really love. Yep. Um, also built its tabletop unit. We're using it right now to record. Yeah. And uh, very well made. And um, it's got 
I think like eight inputs. There's like four combi inputs on the front and four lines. Mm-hmm. And then it's got like, I think it's got six regular outs and then another set of like weird, I don't know, some di- SPDF digital out or something. Yeah. What's the, um, what's the brand that does, like, I, I know at some point I had the one that comes with Pro Tools, like the basic Pro Tools. And like an like, inbox, right? Yeah. An inbox. So for those of you that have not done any of this stuff, which I'm sure everybody has, but if you haven't done like this whole, you know, interface thing, that's usually like the first one that people will have. Something along those lines that kind of comes with something and it's very, it's kind of, you know, it's lightweight or whatever. Um, the focus rights, like even when they just have like one or two inputs, they just like, they look heavier, they feel heavier. It, they the come off like a not, tank. They're kinda, like yeah. a tank. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're well made. And there is something to be said about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then, so that's the unit that's like, that's a traveling unit. I mean, it sounds like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, but it's compact because it the way it's made. So I can like, I can slip that into a suitcase. I might not, you know, it's not going to go in a base case, but I can put it in a knapsack and take it with me or whatever. Totally. Yeah. And then, you know, in the studio, like in the real studio, um, in there, I've got a PreSonus uh, Studio 192 and a DP88 unit, which is, for those who don't know, that's like, so the Studio 192 has got like eight ins and eight outs. And then- um, the DP 88, you hook it up basically via, um, an eight at link and it just adds another eight. An eight right. Another so you could start, eight you could start coupling them. Yeah. Absolutely. Which you, which like just to take a step, I mean, I'm, this is like my basic knowledge of this stuff, right? Yeah. You can't just link up any of these pieces together. Well, some of them you can like, so that, that DP 88, yeah. so th- this, the Scarlet huh. that I have has a, has an eight at optical link on it too okay and so any adat compatible breakout box like that dp88 you could hook oh. up to it and immediately get like eight more inputs as long as the as long as the the the, the master unit supports it right you're good to go now this one right happens to and the studio 192 does but the studio 192 and the dp88 are like they're these rack units like your task yeah. cam and so the nice thing about them is they're all racked in the studio and so basically i have all you know 16 inputs are coming in there but i can't add, i can't like my old task cam like i can't connect it to that and add those to this yeah probably not like yeah. the usually what happens is like the breakout boxes have a certain like they have to be engineered a certain way like they have yeah. a chip in them that lets them kind of communicate over the adat link right and be like a slave to the 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 top box because at the end of the day like you're everything that you're plugging in like the difference between plugging into a mixer yeah and then just going out and then going into a computer somehow, yeah, like where whatever you send out is just one, one like line of communication, yeah. yeah, one piece. Like whatever's in that mixer, you could have like a sixteen channel mixer, like an yeah. old like whatever twenty year old mixer, and you could send it out to a computer. But whatever you mix, that's it, and it's going out. Yeah, like if you were to take that mixer and then you know have it just has like two or four outs or something like that, you're going to plug those in. You're going to mix on that, that board. Right. So the the world, the world where we're in right now, the discussion is about like breaking out all of those lines separately. Yeah. It's really about like that digital, that digital interface being like, make that your, your brain. Don't worry about like an extra mixer or anything like that. Like you can do all that stuff in the box. Right. And by in the box, if I say in the box, what I mean is in the computer. Right. You know, you can hook it up to your Mac or your PC and then yeah. you do all your mixing work and all that stuff 
on the computer as opposed to having a big mixer desk where you have to have all the dials and stuff. And that's yes. not to down having a big mixer desk. Like it's, right. those are great. And there are a lot of reasons to have one, a lot of very good reasons to have one, yep. but they aren't necessary per se. And a yeah. lot of people, you know, a lot of kids are coming up nowadays and getting into the game. And that is the world that they have grown up knowing is yep. working in the box because that's right. what's available to them. Sure. Right. And so there's like, we're in this weird stage right now where in the recording world, there are some people work in the box. Some people still work on big like desk equipment and stuff, yep. outboard equipment. And some people do a hybrid of both. Right. Yeah. Because there's all sorts of good, there's all sorts of good that can come from that too. Yep. Yeah. So just to kind of like reel it back into the interfaces, yeah. you know, one more thing I wanted to note, like we've, you know, we just, we just yanked out of our butts, like all this, you know, these <laughs> brands and numbers and, and stuff. And I did want to remind people there are, there are much easier ways to get into a digital audio interface. And, and you, sir, yeah. were very, you know, very kindly. Uh, I think I, I, I think you gifted my my daughter with a, a unit so that she could start doing a little recording on her own. That's right. And it was a it's a line six, I think it's called a pod studio. Yeah. UX one. Right. And again, big long name, but all it really is is a digital interface. It lets yep. you plug a guitar and a microphone in. Yeah. And then it attaches by USB to your computer. Mm -hmm. And it's like a piece yeah. of magic. It's great. She and, loves and, it. And you can throw in the um the pod farm Yes. Like all those effects yep. in the, it. Yep. The pod farm plugin. Easy to use. Yep. yep. And so you can have like, you know, guitar, you can put amps on the guitar in the computer, basically yep. do it all in the box. Yeah. So yeah, it's, she's been, she's been messing around with it lately. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, nice. I haven't, I haven't gotten too far into it cause I don't want to make it yeah. cool. Right. Right. But right. Yeah. So she's all over that. So there are, there are lots of options out there. Um, so I think, you know, really the, the thing that we wanted to do mostly is to you know, really give people um, some idea of what to look for in, in an interface. Yeah, like just like a general understanding. Like for me, you know, a lot of it is, um, it's still a mystery, right? That's, yeah. that's the guy that I am. <laughs> it's all yeah. like, I'm not really sure. I, I kind of will know for a minute when I'm studying it because I'm trying to buy something, but... Like one of the things, for example, like when I'm looking at it is that there are these like, um, they're bits, right? Like 16, 24 yeah. bits. Yeah. So what is that? Yeah. Like throw that out there. So the, the, what you can think of those, those numbers as being, um, basically there, I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of math and science that goes into it. So I'm going to try and shortcut that. Right. I don't want the listeners to come away with the idea that like we're dummies and we don't get it. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I, I spent my, I spent my whole, like two whole careers now in like technical fields. So <laughs> right. I got this stuff, but right. a lot of people don't want to hear all that. Like they don't want to yeah. hear how, like how sampling works or oversampling. They don't want to hear how a waveform gets turned into digital samples. Wait, but is that why you know so much about this stuff? I know that you're like in the technical field, <laughs> you're laughing, but I'm learning this right now. Yeah. That's literally why you know all this stuff. Well, there's, I mean, you study, yeah. once you read enough about it and yeah. you kind of studied it in different ways, you kind of, yeah. you get to understanding it. You understand, I mean, I'm not an expert in like psychoacoustics or anything like that, like any of the real, like super science about sound. Right. 
but I know how like the how how digital analog signals work and things like that. Right. So it makes it a little easier. But having said that, no one hmm. needs to know that stuff in order to buy a digital audio interface and use it. You don't need to know that stuff. Right. If you know the bare minimum of things that will help get you by and how to use them, you're good. But you know, the, but those bit yeah. those bit numbers are good to know so that you know whether something is you know worth buying or not. Right. Right. So sixteen and twenty four bit are the most used, um, the 16-bit and 24-bit basically refer to the sampling depth that's used. And you could think of this as being the resolution of the dynamic range of a sample, right? So 16 bits, um, you'll you'll just have to take it from me because we don't want to explain the math. 16 bits basically means that when you sample... Like when you're doing any sampling, and that's all these interfaces are, they're taking an analog signal in. Of, yep. It could be a voice, it could be a guitar, whatever. And they're sampling it very, very, very fast. And at right. each point when they sample, they get a value. And the value is basically like how loud it is at that point. Yep. And if you graph those values point by point by point very fast, they make a waveform. And the waveform ah. is a sample that looks like the original wave. Okay. Okay, does that make sense it so far? It does. I'm with you, yes. And any sound can be represented that way. So right. the basically you can think of 16 and 24-bit as being the number of possible values that can be sampled. And essentially like 16 bits gives you... I think, like, within right? like a certain time frame? Yeah, yeah, within a, it's within a time frame. We'll discuss right. that in a second. Okay. So 16 bits gives you 60, basically 65,536 possible values. Okay. And then 24 bits, though, is much finer grain. It gives you something like 16.77 million possible huh. values. And that's just how the math works. It's okay. not important why. But right. 20, basically 24 bits is going to mean that you can, represent a, you can represent a higher dynamic range that way. Right. Um, and also, typically, with a, you, you may be able to lower your noise floor that way, too. Yeah. But anyway... The okay. next measure is the kilohertz. Which, by the way, that already blows my mind. Does it? I had no... I thought it was just like a muscle-like. How big... Like, are we doing 16 or 24? How strong like, is the how signal How big is that be? muscle? Yeah. I'm very, like, old school, like, 1970s American in that way. I'm just like, <laughs> how big sand is that in your face. <laughs> yeah, but my lawnmower weighs 300 pounds. Like, that's... <laughs> actually mind-blowing and okay great so the next thing is the kilohertz or you might see this as khz right and uh that's right kilohertz are thousands of cycles per second so you may see that us that a a recording unit can do like 44.1 or 48 or 88.2 or 96 kilohertz right and what means what that means is you know say 48 kilohertz means 48,000 times a second the digital interface is sampling that sound. Oh. So if you're doing it 48,000 times a second, you know, 96,000 times a second means the resolution of the sample is going to be, the timing is going to be higher, right? right? Twice as high. You're doing twice as many samples per second that way. So, um, yeah, so you can think, so whereas you can think of the bits, the bit depth as representing dynamic range. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can think about yep. the the 
um, the kilohertz, right? That is yeah. basically the resolution of the sample, like the resolution right. of the sound. Um, now, having said that, uh, some people will say, oh, well, the only way to record is 24-bit 96K. You'll see people call it like 2496 or 24-bit sure. 96K. Everything to the max. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that the 24-bits tends to matter more than the 96K. Um, a lot of recordings that that people and, – and one of the reasons not to do that is because your file sizes get very big when you're recording. If your computer is yep. not a fast computer and you're recording a lot of those tracks at once, the files can get very big and there's a lot of data moving at one time. You've got like bottleneck situations. You have a bottleneck. Yeah, right. things could not work. I, you know, the, the 24 bits matters more when you're recording, but having said that almost any unit that you buy nowadays, because of the way the chips are made to support these units, they're not made by like 150 different companies. They're made by like six or five. Right. So almost everything you get is going to be 24 bit capable of 24 bit 96 K if it's 48 K and it costs less, don't fret it. Like, you know, that it's doesn't mean that the unit's not worth buying because I'm going to tell you a lot of people when they're doing home recordings, don't record 96 because yeah. it's, it doesn't offer a, especially when you reduce that thing to an MP3, it doesn't offer any value to the listener. So when, when, um, if you're shopping for something, right, then you try to like figure out what all these numbers are and you start like going into analysis paralysis yeah. and yeah. you're like, oh, I don't even know what I'm looking at. But like, for example, um, I pulled up this spec sheet on my interface, right? Like my basic $150 piece, right? Yeah, yeah. And I look at, um, there's a line that says supported bit rate. Yeah. And it says 16 slash 24. Yeah. What is that saying? So that means that it'll do 16-bit recording or 24-bit recording. You can choose which one you want in your software. Oh, and yeah. then when I go into my software, I do have the ability of choosing. You pick what you want. Exactly. Like a- any studio recording, like no matter what you're using, yeah. whether it's, um, even if it's GarageBand, yep. you can choose that. Right? right. So you don't have to buy like real expensive software to be able to record at that, at that level. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. So there you go. And, um, you know, here's, here's a little okay. tip. Some people ask like, why 44.1 versus 48? Or why 88.2 versus 96? Right. And I'll tell you why. Because the reason that 48 and 96 are good in some cases is because uh, when you are making audio that is going to be synced to a video project later, Mm -hmm. having an even number like that makes it easier to deal with frame rates in film, which usually are 24 frames a second. Okay. Right. So matching that up with 24K is a lot easier on the computer than trying to match this oddball number of like 44.1 right uh even if you're shooting like even if you're doing tv tv is 30 frames a second and again the math is much easier 30 and 48 have a common denominator blah 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 so the other numbers exist the reason we have 44.1 and 88.2 is because those 44.1 was designated as the standard for cds yeah way back in the day right 44,100 hertz 44.1 kilohertz right that's what CDs work at. 16-bit, 44.1 is yep. CD quality. Oh, and it's good enough for just right. about everybody. Yep. If you ever meet anybody who says, oh, well, I can hear the difference. Chances are they're lying. Right. Most people can't. You have to really have golden ears to be right. able to tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. 
Having said that, yeah. so the reason that 44.1 exists is because of something called the Nyquist frequency, which is uh, it, it, it's it's based on the where the level the 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 average level of human hearing stops, and f- sampling at that rate yeah. allows you to push noise and and errors in the recording out to an area of of the the oh. frequency spectrum that <laughs> right. people can't hear. Right. So that's why 44.1. And the only reason 88.2 exists is because it's twice as much and therefore it must be better, right? Right. So that's why that, that came about. <laughs> that's amazing. So, so, yeah, so there you so go. So how <laughs> that is, like, for me, that just, like, unveiled so much information. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm so, like, it just, that's a lot of mystery for me, like, uh, uh, just, completely resolved out. I love it. That's what we're here for. Yeah. To demystify. So when you're, um, so then if, if you're in that, that buying mode and you're trying to figure out like, you know, which one I'm going to get, um, how do you decide which one? Like what, what are those factors that you're looking at? Well, first thing's budget, right? Like everybody's got a budget they're working on, like know your budget walking in and know what your wiggle room is. And if you know that, then it gets a lot easier to choose. Like if you're just trying to choose among like literally hundreds of options, it's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Like know how much you want to spend. And, you know, I would say when you're thinking about budget, mm-hmm. realize that, again, the level of recording finesse, and like the, the level of detail and the level of quality that we have at our fingertips now in even a cheap digital audio interface is so far beyond anything that was available when some of the greatest recordings in the world were made. Yeah. Like knowing that that's out there, like why would you go out and like, Oh, I have to buy this like thousand dollar, you know, like some Mm -hmm. dumb people did when they were younger, right? Like certain people (laughs) sitting in this podcast, you don't need to buy that. Like you can spend $200 and yeah. get a great unit nowadays. Sure. You do not have to spend a lot of a lot of dough for this stuff. So know your budget. Mm-hmm. Know what you want to use it for. Do you want to use it for like? Do you do a lot of writing on the road? Like, yeah. do you tend to like, you know, record some riffs or like song ideas or things like that? Do you put them on your phone and then not like them? Where you you know you might like to have a little better quality. Yeah. Well, in that case, maybe portability is something that's important. Yeah. You know, is this thing going to sit at home in a rack where you're going to use it there, like in a, in a certain room, or is right. it something that you want to be able to carry around with you and do something with? Cause that's going to dictate. Right. Look like maybe you're going to take it to your rehearsal space. It's at somebody else's house. Yep. But you want to be able to. Yep. Like how, yeah. So how portable is it? Mm-hmm. How portable does it need to be? Yeah. And, um, here's another, another thing to think about is, um, phantom power. Um, and for folks mm-hmm. who don't, no uh, phantom power. So what that is, is that is basically like the ability for a unit to send a 48 volt signal over an XLR cable that goes to a mic. You don't yeah. need to have phantom power if you're using like, you know, a Shure SM58, a dynamic mic, right? right? Those don't require phantom power. Right. The mics that do are like large condenser mics um, or, or, or even small condenser mics. Mm-hmm. Not all of them but some of them, you always have to check the manual. Be careful because if you put phantom power into some mics, like certain ribbon mics, you'll destroy. You literally will destroy them. You'll fry oh. them right away. Yeah. But um, 
But large diaphragm condenser mics generally need phantom power. Right. And so that's the ability for the unit to send that that 48-volt signal. So right. if you're a person, like if you want to be recording vocals, like nice vocals, not like, hey, I wrote this song in like five minutes vocals. But if you want to actually get a good vocal recording, think about getting a unit that has phantom power on it. Right. Yeah. And the thing to remember about that is units that run off of USB only, like if it's a unit that's small and you can power mm-hmm. it directly off USB, it may not allow you to do like that. It may not offer phantom power um, because normally the, the power that you get from the computer yep. is not going to supply 48 volts over USB. It's like, I think you can do yep. five or something like that. It's small. Yep. Yeah. Which is where, right, you need that, like, that AC adapter. Yeah, yeah, you need to have an adapter for that unit, and you're going to have to plug it into a into a wall. Um, mm. So if it's one of those units that's, like, all self-contained, chances are it won't do phantom power. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Again, it may not be a make or break for some people. They may not care. Yeah, and, I mean, you can also, like, if that's the piece that you have already, yeah, then you can get, for pretty cheap, like, a, yeah. a preamp yep. Yep. to boost the signal and all that. So then I guess another thing to think about is how are you going to connect it up? Um, mm-hmm. And chances are USB, right? Yeah. Um, that's, it's still, without a doubt, the most prevalent connection you're going to find, you know, on yeah. equipment out there. And your your unit is USB. Mine's USB. It's probably although, USB too, right? Although, um, yeah, mine's USB too. Yep. Um, although I would say like when I went shopping for mine, there was a lot of the, what's the Mac? Um, I'm not oh, a Mac. Firewire. A lot of Firewire yeah. out there. Yeah, back in the day, there was a lot of firewire. It's kind of that's kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, because because USB because Apple two, decided to, that yeah. they don't want to do it anymore. Right, right, and so yeah, and so, so now they the have market. what do they have? Yeah. Well, so they've got Thunderbolt now. Thunderbolt. Yeah. Right. So the difference, but here's the difference between those. So here's a, here's a couple tips that will help people out there. Mm-hmm. So you might be looking at a unit and trying to decide, oh, should I get this USB two unit or a USB three unit? Mm, you're, right. you're you don't need to worry about it a usb2 yep. connection and a usb3 connection have the same latency yep it really depends on the controller and the computer and it's not about the unit yep. itself so this is just something that you're gonna see yeah. I, I even found like 10 websites on the yeah. web that literally were a hundred percent wrong about this they're like oh usb3 is will give you better latency numbers it's like no it won't it yeah. really won't. USB 2 and 3 are basically the same latency. The difference is that USB 3 allows you to carry more data faster. Think about it like this. Um, imagine your sound is like tennis balls in a gutter. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. If you get if you get USB 3, you're getting a wider gutter. The balls aren't going right. to go any faster. Right. But you can fit more of them in there. Right. But the thing is, is that USB 2 is specced so that you can basically do, you know, eight channels or or yeah. even maybe it might be sixteen channels of twenty four ninety six. How many tennis audio. balls do you own, anyways? Yeah, right? yeah, right. Most of these units you can use USB hmm. two. Like my Scarlet, if I loaded every single input on it, it has a USB two connection and it will work just fine. Yeah, I wish I had this conversation earlier because these are all the questions that I had. Yeah, but yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with USB three either. USB three is fine. It just has it has more bandwidth. You could carry even more yeah. audio on it. It's just chances are, you know, you, you uh, when you're starting to talk about the units that are going to carry more data than that, yeah. you're probably not talking about USB connections anymore. At that point. right, you're spending serious dough. Now. Right, right. Thunderbolt, on the yeah. other hand, has lower latency than USB, 
And okay. by, by latency, what I mean is that's the ability, that's how fast the it takes for the computer to be able to receive the signal when the unit sends it. Right. Right. So it has to come in and the USB controller and the, or the, I'm sorry, the Thunderbolt controller or the USB controller or whatever has to like interpret that data, do something with it, be able to pass it around to the processor. Yeah. All that stuff takes time. It may not be much time. You know, you're talking about milliseconds here, but when you add it up, like it's got to come, like you have to send signals out, they go out to the unit, there's something happens, comes back, like that. there's a round trip yeah. to that. So that latency ad can add up. Yeah. Um, on Thunderbolt, it's a lot lower than USB. So that's right. a plus. On the other hand, it's more expensive. Thunderbolt units are usually a little more expensive. And if latency reason. is a new word for you, you want low latency. Yeah, lower the better. Lower the better. Yeah, low latency is good. Latency is that how long it takes to react. So the smaller that is, the better. You know, I know um, like even in, with my unit, there's one quirk with it, right? Yeah. Where like every now and then if I've got it powered on for too, like I didn't turn it off or it's on for too many days or whatever or something weird, all of a sudden I have this like ridiculous delay. Yeah, yeah. And it's happened with other units that I've had. where It's, it's like this absurd delay and you just have fun with it for a bit. You know, you're just like echo, echo, echo. And you like do all these fun things with it. Yeah. And then you realize like, but I'm, I can have fun, but I'm not going to record. Right. Because it's like, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the latency thing where like you want it to, whatever you're playing, you want it to be as, you want it to be recorded as close to real time. Yeah. And, and is there such thing like as perfectly like zero latency? I mean, well, is there... There's, you can get close now with Thunderbolt units and certain computer configurations and, and digital audio program configurations, you can get close. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be zero because right. there's always some time that's, that is required. However, right. human, the human ear can't really detect um, latency that's below like five milliseconds or something like that. Right. So if you get, if you can get your latency down to like three or four milliseconds, yeah. It's probably undetectable uh, in the studio, and it won't affect people's timing. And again, everyone's going to hear things at the same time, so you know they're going to hit the board at the same time. So things will generally come out right. And anything that's you know a little off, like if it right. if, if you feel like it's a little off in the like, studio, you can always tune that. Like right? latency almost won't have as much of an impact if you're not even listening back. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. That's right? like if that's you're not monitoring, thing. if you're if you're just record, yep. like let's say your latency is not, yeah. you know, it's higher latency, yeah. but you're not listening to anything that's coming back, but everything that you're recording is just whatever you're doing live. Going in. But that's important, right? Because you need to be able to hear what you're doing when you're yep. doing it, just like you would in a band situation, right? So you just you just pegged a really important topic, which is making sure that whatever digital audio interface that you get, make sure that it offers what's called direct monitoring, or they sometimes ah. call it low latency or zero yes. latency monitoring. Right. And what that means essentially is that the unit has some circuitry in it that lets you mix audio signals directly out to some headphones without passing back to the computer and coming back. So kind of like bypassing that. Yeah, there is no latency yep. then, right? Because it's all done in hardware, and so it's yep. happening at the speed of light essentially. Yep. Right, as opposed to being processed and then processed again, and then right. and then you hear it. Yeah, right? and specifically because maybe like the way that you're recording, you have like amps that are coming out for the instruments, but yeah. especially for the vocals. Yeah, yeah, that's because of a vocalist. 
makes a sound and then it takes too long for them to hear that sound back to themselves, it's going to throw them off. Like no one can really totally. operate like that. Yeah. So yeah, the, definitely, you know, look for something that has direct monitoring. Now that being said, pretty much every digital audio interface you're going to be able to get that's, you know, have, and I'm talking like even down to the sub $100 level, mm-hmm. will let you do direct monitoring. They almost right. all do because the, the cost of building that circuitry in is very, very low compared right. to the rest of the unit. Right, right, right. So right, they right. almost all have it because um, it's just an, it's a necessity. Yeah. I know like for me, when I was, when I was shopping, like, a, you know, one of the things that I looked at where it started to expand really is where I was looking at how much in, how much out, right? Like, so we start to figure out inputs and outputs and all that, right? So, like, I guess, like, figuring out what the inputs look like yeah. is the first point. Yeah, yeah. How, like, like, how many do you need to do a project or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that, again, that's probably going to be proportional to the budget, too, right? Like, the more yep. inputs that you get, the more controller stuff has to be added inside to Mm -hmm. like converting like to allow you to convert signals at simultaneously so you know they're going to get more expensive but even like there um in an earlier podcast you'd mentioned something that really like kind of hit me is that you get to this point where if you know you get to a point where like it's not it's not exponential it's 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 that it's like all right you want like one or two more inputs Okay, that might cost you more, but once you hit like that six, eight, ten, yeah, you're only talking about differences of like now you're talking about going from like three hundred to four hundred dollars. Yeah, now four hundred to six hundred. It becomes less about the money and more about really what you what your purpose is, how you want to set it up. Yeah, and if it's just you that's like songwriting, yeah, and you're just like tracking every single instrument. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference, but yeah, if you're trying yeah. to record live, you want to, you know, at the same, like simultaneously. Now you need more. You're trying to yeah. get like a rehearsal in there where you've got a drummer who needs four to six inputs. You've got a guitarist who has at least one, maybe two, another bassist who maybe wants one with a mic. Yeah. And then you've got yeah. like vocals yeah. and then you have room mics and you start adding them up. I would like definitely say don't be stingy. Yeah, now now you're start like if that is your if that is your goal, yeah, you could, you know, you really could blow out the number of mics that way. But again, keep in mind you don't have yeah. to have 4 to 6 mics on a drummer. You could do it with one right. or two. That's um, right. That is there are plenty of ways to mic drums that yep. only use one or two mics. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could get by with eight inputs. You could easily record a whole band that way live if, you know, if you mic things up properly. Yep. Um, I would guess that most people who are looking to buy an interface are probably like, if it's, if they're buying their first one, I always think it's a great idea to start small, right? Yeah. Like learn, learn it at a small scale and they can always graduate up. Right. And, and I really believe in this, you know, buy used if you can, mm-hmm. like if you can get a, a good deal on something that's used in very good condition or new old stock, right. Yeah. NOS buy that. Right. And you can get it on the ground floor for one of these you know, interfaces for like $99, you get like a Scarlet 2i2, right? Which yeah. is literally just two ins, two outs. Yep. And that's it. That's all it does. Or or a 2i4, which has two ins, but it also has like, I think headphones out and uh, it'll, it, it'll let you, the way you can plug yep. things into it is is a little bit different than the uh, uh, the 2i2. Um, 
So the 2i4 is probably a good deal. I think there's like the Apollo Twin, I think is a really good one, although a little yeah. more expensive. There's There are lots of choices out there in the like $150, $200, $250 market. Yeah. Those are, that's a great entry price. You're going to get, you're going to get a unit you can do a lot with and it'll be small and portable. You can take it with you and play around with it at your, at your leisure. But just as like anything else that we know, as far as like gear and equipment, when it comes to musicians, especially when it gets to like the technology yeah. space. Yeah. That's why it's important not to spend a lot on your first one. Yeah. Don't because don't, we all, yeah. we all hit that one like super fast. We learn it, we become in love with whatever that technology is, or we don't. Yeah. Right? If you don't, then it's cool you didn't invest a lot of money. Yeah. But if we do fall in love with it, then we leapfrog onto the next. Right. And really fast. Right. Right. Which is why it's important to like get those things that do have, you know, that do have like the the power that's going in that you can put in for, you know, your your ghost power that goes in that does have maybe two inputs at least yeah i would say that's a great place to start if it were me and i was going to like someone's going to start their first like their first interface mm -hmm. find something with phantom power yep that allows gives you two inputs at least one of them should yep. be you be should be able to plug a microphone in so yep. it's like xlr maybe both of them but at least one of them yep. and the other one you should at least be able to plug a guitar into yeah um it's best if it has an output for headphones on it like one pair of headphones um it's uh, and, and and what I love is like you know one big knob on it, you know, right. makes it easy. So like Super just control easy, the headphones, totally. and yeah. or maybe there's two knobs, like one for the headphones yeah. and one to actually send out, where you can plug some speakers in from the back. You plug, right. you know, you use those to wire into some some monitors. Yes, you don't need to have monitors right away, but it's good to have that option later, so you can buy some monitors later and right and and you know now you're starting to build up a you know, a little bit of a studio, which I think, you know, we're, we're, we'll talk about that in a future episode, I think. But, sure. You know, those, I think if you stick to those things, you're probably looking at, you know, whether you go used or new, you know, between $100, $200, yeah. you're, you're out the door with whatever you need at that point. Are there any, um, are there any brands that you would recommend? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, Universal Audio, Presonus, mm -hmm. Apogee, focus right yeah i think those are four of the big ones yeah they all make a huge range of units that you can buy all of these have mm -hmm. great mic preamps you don't spend too much time on the internet because there are a lot of fools out there who are going to waste your time arguing about minutia mm -hmm. they're going to talk about oh well the you know the the dynamic range on this unit is like five dbs more or they're going to say something like you know oh, the, the preamps in this i think are you know i find them to be higher quality <laughs> let me tell you your ear makes way more difference to what you're going to record mm -hmm. than any preamp in these units, right? People were using much crappier right. preamps 50 years ago and yeah. recording some of the best music that we still listen to now. Right. What you're doing with it makes way more difference than the specs on the unit. Yeah. So just, you know, you make your ear more important than the gear is all I'm saying. Oh, I like it. Oh, yes. So I think that probably wraps it up for our wisdom yeah. for this episode, right? So I hope you guys have enjoyed this little wander down gear lane. And uh, Dave and I have, I think, enjoyed kind of exploring these these technical things, which we do sometimes. And let us know what you think. And if you guys are in the market, if you're buying something or if you have a unit that you like, let us know what it is. Uh, let us know by going to 
practicalbase.com, our website, or email us at podcast at practicalbase.com, or just show up on our Facebook page or Google Plus or Twitter or even Instagram. Shoot some pictures of your recording gear. Show us what you're using. We'd love to see it. Um, We also hope that you're going to subscribe to the podcast. It's really easy to do that. Whether you are using podcasts on your iPhone or your iTunes app on your macOS device, if it's Google Play Music or Stitcher Radio or any one of a hundred other podcatching apps on any platform, just search for Practical Bass. And when our black and white logo comes up, hit subscribe and you're going to get an episode delivered to you every week for free. For free. Free. That's what we do here for free. And, uh, and we will hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that you will enjoy our next episode. Until then, I'm Paul Fields. And I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Base. Thank you for listening. Maybe it's not even for the listeners. Maybe the podcast is just like my own therapy. (laughs) We're working out our inner demons. (laughs) Just so I can say something that is like remotely profound, specifically for me. Yeah. So that then I can like later say, well, I did say this on the podcast. So that is the new reality. Yeah. That's, I got to stand by that. I'm going to, I think we'll have a, we're going to have an episode on being a bad father. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Dave. I have to confess. <laughs> oh man, that would be more than one episode. <laughs> as the very, beer can, as the beer can goes, <laughs> that'd be a very long episode. <laughs>